the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. We're glad to have you with us. I say we because along with me here today is Clark Hilton, who is engineering the show. James Blend producing somewhere out there at some considerable distance. Well, today is Fun Friday, and we tend to look at the lighter side of the news, and that is precisely what we intend to do today. But before we get to that, I want to remind you, Sunday, 2 o'clock a.m., Daylight Saving Time begins. More on that in, in just a moment. I have to tell you, I've been functioning, and you know this very well, Clark, I've been functioning at something of a disadvantage. I think I mentioned a couple of days back, and I think I did, that I went to the dentist and had my tongue drilled, and it's been very painful right up to this point. So I went and put some, uh, it's like Gel. it's the store version of that, to, it's sort of a numbing drop that um, it makes you feel like your tongue is swollen and uh, very sore. So I've been, I've been speaking with a limp this week. And we're going to try to get through today. I'm looking forward to two days with very little talking, and hopefully this whole thing will be uh, cleared up. It feels sort of like when you bite your tongue really, really hard, you break the skin or whatever you call the surface of the tongue, uh, only it tends to hurt for a little while, then it stops. Well, this, it's, it feels like I just bit it a moment ago, and it doesn't stop. It's, it's gotten slightly better since the, the day it happened on Monday, but I'm hoping by next Monday it'll be... Uh, It'll be back to normal. And I know that uh, Clark would love to hear me, uh, or at least not hear me whine about it anymore, because I've, I've milked it for as much as it's possibly worth. And uh, by next Monday, I, you know, I'm not going to have any, uh, any capacity to do that any longer. Also today, we had a visit from one of my favorite uh, classes in all of um, the state of Oregon and Washington, the states of Oregon and Washington. Mrs. Stutzman's fourth grade class came and visited us today. And throughout the program, you're going to have the opportunity to hear from those kids who did a little bit of, um, well, audio work for us. Uh, Mrs. Stutzman, of course, is my sister. We're a year and six days apart. She's been a fourth grade teacher at Southwest Christian School for quite some time. And she and uh, her crew have come for the last several years uh, to visit and to take a tour of the station. And um, it's always fun to do that. And so today was that day. So when you hear the voices of young children uh, throughout the program today, you will know that these are the voices of Mrs. Stutzman's fourth grade class. So I want to thank them for stopping by. And it's always a, a real delight to see them. Well, as I mentioned, Daylight Saving Time returns at 2 a.m. local time on Sunday, March 11th. Of course, that's this Sunday. That means it's almost time to spring those clocks forward. And yes, you will lose an hour of sleep. But on the bright side, uh, well, literally, we're going to gain an hour in the evening of uh, bright light. It's cheerful. Well, Daylight Saving Time will be... Um, extra special this year as it marks the 100th anniversary of the event. The tradition of turning clocks forward officially began on March the 19th in 1918. It was established during World War I, and the idea was uh, to conserve fuel for the war effort to extend the working day. That worked, but at the end of the war, they 
ended it. August 20th, 1919, as soon as the war was over, daylight saving time was over. However, the sections of the 1918 law that it established standard time zones for the country remained in effect, according to the Library of Congress. And in 1921, Congress readjusted the western boundary of the standard central time zone, shifting parts of Texas and Oklahoma into this zone. The topic of uh, daylight saving time surfaced again during World War II. And in January of 1942, Congress reestablished daylight saving time. More than two decades later, in 1966, President Lyndon Baines Johnson, some of us were here at the time, signed into law the Uniform Time Act, and that declared daylight saving time a policy of the United States, establishing uniform start and end times within standard time zones. Well, that hasn't held across the board, but for the most part, uh, it has. Daylight saving time and time zones are required, uh, or rather regulated by the U.S. Department of Transportation, surprisingly, under the Uniform Time Act, and daylight saving begins every year on the second Sunday in March, starting at 2 a.m. If a state chooses to observe daylight saving time, it has to begin and end on federally mandated dates. So you can either opt out or opt in, but you have to do it uh, as prescribed by the federal government. Does everyone change their clock? Well, no. Hawaii. Most of Arizona, a handful of U.S. territories, uh, that includes American Samoa, Guam, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands, they do not observe daylight saving time. A bill called the Sunshine Protection Act, which would allow Florida to remain on daylight saving time year-round, is heading to the governor's desk this week, so we'll see what happens there. If the governor passes the bill, Congress would have to amend the existing federal law to allow the change uh, to continue to be the case. I don't know what's happening here. My mute button for the television suddenly uh, failed to work. So while the rest of the uh, of the east would set their clocks back in the fall, Florida wouldn't. And that would leave it with more sunshine in the evening during the winter months as well. So uh, why does all of this matter? That's a question that's being debated even now. There are several reasons why officials believe daylight saving time is beneficial. But again, it's up for debate. Some say it saves energy because people tend to spend more time outside when it's lighter out. The Department of Transportation claims it also saves lives and prevents traffic injuries because visibility is better. And lastly, the Department of uh, Transportation says it reduces crime. Again, eh, not so sure. But during daylight saving time, the department explains uh, more people are out conducting their affairs during the daylight rather than at night when more crime occurs. And so hence the... uh, suggestion that there's less of it. Some believe the process is uh, a hassle, and it certainly is that. The question is whether or not it's a hassle worth engaging in twice a year. Proponents of scrapping daylight saving time, they argue it's generally unnecessary. It disturbs sleep patterns, and uh, recently it's become even more complicated. In 1986, Congress extended daylight saving time for six to seven months, from six rather, to seven months, and extended it again in 2005 to eight months, mid-March to mid-November. So we're getting closer to Florida than perhaps we know. Congress really gave us a wise compromise in 1966 with six months of standard time. But because of the lobbies on behalf of daylight, uh, we now have uh, we spring forward in the middle of the winter. Um, The author of Spring Forward, The Annual Madness of Daylight Saving Time, says it was a book published in 2015. Well, again, there are disagreements over daylight saving. It's not new. In 1965, before the Uniform Act was passed, 71 major cities in the U.S. with a population of over 100,000 were using daylight saving time, while 59 others were not. People do not like the hassle of adjusting their clocks twice a year, but the hassle we do have, and that for us, commences at... uh, I'm not sure that's even a word, commences, will commence, how about that, 
2 a.m. Sunday, which means most of us on Saturday night uh, will move those clocks forward. So when we hear the alarm clock, we get ready for church in the morning. We'll be on time and not late or early or whatever it would be this uh, this spring. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back momentarily. We're Mrs. Sussman's fourth grade class, and you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 19 minutes after 4 o'clock. You're listening to the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. Well, there's been something of a mysterious boom and light here in the Pacific Northwest, and they're trying to determine what this could possibly be. They're saying it's a bolide meteor, meteoroid. Yeah, I think that's right. Meteoroid. Well, this mysterious loud boom and flash of light that uh, filled Gray Har- Gray's Harbor County skies on Wednesday night was possibly the uh, meteoroid. I can't say the word meteoroid. Meteoroid. According to the county emergency management, several residents along the coast there and as far inland as um, uh, Montesano uh, heard the boom uh, registered on the Pacific Northwest Seismic uh, Network um, at about 7 p.m. This again was on Wednesday. There's still no definite confirmation of the the, uh, meteor. I'm just going to call it that. But there were at least 15 reports to the American Meteor Society, according to the Emergency Management Office. The uh, bolide is a special type of fireball. It's very bright. Uh, It explodes in the bright flash at its end, according to the American Meteor Society. And the loud boom some people heard, well, if a fireball explodes as a bolide below the altitude of 30 miles, there's a chance people on the ground could hear sonic booms, which are noises that occur when an object goes faster than the speed of sound. So sonic booms are more likely if the uh, bolide happens at an angle of about 45 degrees to the person that's watching it, less likely if the person watching is just beneath it. So you might have been in the vicinity, not hearing it, uh, depending on where you were standing at that moment. Sound travels pretty slowly, so it's uh, usually about 90 seconds to four minutes after the explosion before the sonic boom is heard. So you might have been in the house. The thing flashes by. Four minutes later, you go out to the car. There's a boom, and you have no idea what just happened. But they're uh, saying that that's probably what the uh, sound and flash were. I know folks were pretty... Uh, concerned about that. Speaking of uh, sounds that are rather creepy, Amazon's Alexa apparently has been malfunctioning and it's caused quite a bit of a, a shock. Now, my husband and I, we actually bought the Amazon Alexa. I've never plugged it in. I haven't programmed. <laughs> the more I hear about it, the more I'm thinking, I'm not sure. I want this thing in my house. But the um, uh, e-commerce giant's virtual assistant has been heard laughing in a creepy, maniacal way without being prompted. And it became a trending moment on Twitter on Wednesday. Uh, cameras and software don't have emotions. And it's safe to say that they never will. One student uh, uh, is arguing uh, from uh, their midterm spot when they uh, suddenly heard the uh, laughter of Alexa erupt and they weren't even in, in conversation. Uh, Alexa already laughs at you randomly. He went on to tweet uh, a data nerd from Richmond, Virginia, who experienced the phenomenon. Alexa shows customers um, or rather allows them to request information, play music from their library. And that essentially is all we were interested in, is just uh, play something and the music starts up. Uh, you can make calls now with Alexa, listen to audiobooks, control smart home devices, and so on. Uh, Amazon said in a statement that the Washington Post, or uh, to the Washington Post, that the outbursts are due to its smart speakers hearing accidental orders. Hmm. Uh, in rare circumstances, Alexa, Alexa rather, can mistakenly hear the phrase, Alexa, laugh. 
according to Amazon. To fix the issue, they are disabling that command, changing the trigger phrase to Alexa, can you laugh? So if you suddenly hear the eruption of laughter and you haven't said anything that sounds like Alexa, laugh or Alexa, can you laugh? Be afraid. Be very afraid. What do you think about this phenomenon, Clark? Well, we have an Alexa dot at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tried to make it laugh the other night when I heard about this, but they had already disabled the whole thing because it just sat there staring at me. <laughs> staring at you? Yeah. Well, so. apparently uh, Amazon is also changing Alexa's response to uh, another comment. Um, rather than have the assistant laugh right away, the cackling will be preceded by the sentence, sure, I can laugh, and then the laughter will uh, will follow. Some Echo users reported last week that the voice assistant was down for several hours. And it may have been related to all of that. that. Yeah. What do you use yours for, for the most part? Uh, in the mornings when I go and have breakfast, I'll do Alexa, start my day. And what I have it set up for is uh, the weather, the commute, what the commute's like. And uh, the news headlines. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. And my daughter likes to make it make obnoxious noises <laughs> in the evenings. Huh. Well, yeah. Like I said, I haven't programmed it or plugged it in yet. It's fun. I mean, it serves some purposes. You can play some games with it. It plays music and, yeah. and stuff like that. A friend of ours had it, and we always thought it was a cool thing to just be able to say what music you wanted to hear or what genre of music, what time is it, or ask some basic questions, but I'm afraid I'd find myself saying, Alexa, mind your own business. And she'd have a response for that, too, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, we've ordered something over Amazon. Yeah. Using that, too. Um, it's, you know, I'd heard all those horror stories about, you know, the little girl ordering the $500 dollhouse or whatever. <laughs> it's whatever safeguards they have on it now. Um, and they do have some safeguards that are childproof, but even the non-childproof safeguards it's not easy to just or accidentally order something on Amazon. So that's good to know. Yeah, I probably wouldn't order anything. Although, you know, I never thought I'd have a cell phone. I remember yeah. when people first started carrying them, I thought this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Why on earth would you want to carry your phone with you and be accessible at all times, any place you happen to be? It made no sense. And then I got one and like, okay, I get it. In the case of an emergency... Then I thought, why on earth would you need a camera in your your phone? That's ridiculous. <laughs> and of course, now I have quite a gallery of photos that I've taken, not only here, but when we've traveled abroad. This last trip we took a, a year and a half, two years ago, I didn't even use my camera. I used my phone for everything. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, we're cruising the Mediterranean. So I guess I'll probably catch up on uh, Alexa, too. And you took some really nice pictures of your horse and buggy downstairs, too, which is nice. <laughs> I see. That was supposed to be a joke, trying to suggest You're a little bit of a Luddite, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> uh, NASA. NASA is going to fly you to the sun, or at least fly your name to the sun. Hey, I'm by the way, sure I just want to stop us right yeah? here. Yeah? I get the whole thing about the cell phone. I didn't own a smartphone until... What was that, a week ago? (laughs) A year ago? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You had a flip phone, didn't you? Yes, and I was made fun of every day here Well, it was a pink flip phone. That didn't help. It was magenta. Uh Uh-huh. Which is like Oswego pink. (laughs) Special. (laughs) It was pink. Anyway, yeah, it belonged to my wife. Anyway, it was free phone. Yeah, absolutely. Blah, 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 blah. You know, so long story short, I... When I once had a cell phone that was required for work back when they were big and bulky, when that job ended, I got rid of my cell phone and didn't have one for years, and I was thrilled about that. Yeah. Well, even though I— don't like being reachable all the time. Yes, and the thing for me is 
I don't always answer the phone. I'm not reachable yeah. all the time. If yeah. I have a moment and I can see if someone's called or I do like the idea that if someone calls, you can see who it is and make a decision. But I, I'm not accessible all the time. I'm oh. not, you know, on the Internet all the time. I'm not but texting and tweeting and huge office and building we've got. There will be people in the restroom who are texting while they're in there or, or talking. Yes. At a like, really, come on. Come on, put it away for just two minutes. It's all right. And I can't tell you how many times, even in the lobby of this office building, and it's a large professional office building, I've had to bob and weave to avoid yes. running into people yes. who are on a straight course and don't notice that you happen to be there and may look up at the the last moment. They see something out of the corner of your eye, their eye as you're moving off. Uh, don't bother to say, oh, excuse me. They look up like, yeah, get out of my way and just keep moving forward. It's really quite discouraging. Indeed. Indeed. Now let's talk about NASA now. Yeah. NASA is uh, going to fly you to the sun, or at least they're going to fly your name like Icarus, to or? the sun. Yeah, <laughs> you burst into flame and that's it. Well, now until April the 27th, apparently, NASA is accepting online submissions for this hottest ticket in town, quite literally. The name will be sent on the Parker Solar Probe all the way to the sun. Now, once launched this summer from Cape Canaveral, Florida... Cape Canaveral. That was such a big name when I was a kid. The probe will eventually come within four million miles of our star, closer than any other spacecraft. And it may be carrying your name. By the way, temperatures will be about uh, 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 1,300 uh, degrees Celsius. As the spacecraft zips in and out of this uh, atmospheric hot zone, until now, the materials for such a grueling journey were unavailable. And... uh, now, apparently, that's uh, that's uh, accessible. Actor William Shatner, uh, who portrayed Captain James Clerk, Kirk rather in the old Star Trek TV series, is NASA's pitchman for this Send Your Name to the Sun campaign. So if you're interested, check it out on NASA's website. And I'm not sure what would be so thrilling about having a piece of paper with your name on it in the spacecraft when it comes uh, within um, four million miles of our of our sun. But whoo <laughs> I mean, yeah. how do you how do you even tell people about that? Oh yeah, my name was burned up. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I don't get that one. Uh, doctors in Nairobi have been suspended, well, at least suspended, for performing brain surgery on the wrong patient. Ouch! Oh, and you boy. know when you go in for surgery or some kind of procedure, and they, it seems like it's so redundant. What's your name? What's your birthday? Where do you live? Who are you? What what are we doing? It seems like, you know, don't you people know what you're doing? But this is why the redundancies have been uh, have been added. The case of mistaken identification tags caused a mix up between two patients. One needed surgery for a blood clot on the brain. The other just nursing and non-invasive treatment for swelling after a head trauma. Pretty big uh, mistake. It wasn't until hours into the surgery the doctors discovered there was no blood clot. According to the report from the BBC, the hospital CEO said the hospital deeply regrets this event and has done all that it can to ensure the safety and well-being of patients uh, in question. We are happy to inform the public that the patient is in recovery and progressing well, particularly since the patient didn't have a problem. Both the uh, persons uh, operating and uh, the person operated on rather and the blood clot patient are in good condition, it said. Well, apparently this is the first time this type of mishap has occurred in the country. The neurosurgeon, the anesthetist and two nurses involved have been suspended. The mix up is reflective of a bigger problem, according to the country's doctor's union. 
the chief executive officer, whose name I will not attempt to mispronounce, uh, from the Kenya Medical Practitioners Office and the pharmacists and dentists union said that the mistake was indicative of an overwhelmed system and staff, which is uh, certainly understandable. These are quality system issues that should not be uh, leveled at staff, as she went on to say. A shortage of medical staff and inadequate theater space makes errors more likely. She further noted doctors are overwhelmed. You find one doctor uh, could uh, be doing 10 to 19 operations in a day. So be grateful that um, we do have the redundancies, the time, the space for things to be done well. And maybe say a prayer for the doctors in Kenya who are trying to do their job. 31 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Thirty-five minutes after four o'clock, you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. One of the best days of the year when Mrs. Stutzman's fourth-grade class comes to visit. I saw a um, a painful picture of a cat who somehow got stuck in a garbage disposal. The cat's head was sticking out through the bottom of the garbage (laughs) disposal, and I don't know where the body was, but extracting the cat was a big deal. It was a a catastrophe, rather, that was avoided on Saturday thanks to a Pennsylvania police officer. These guys, firefighters, police officers, they do so much outside of uh, their purview of uh, law enforcement and firefighting. A curious cat got himself in a messy situation when he got stuck in a garbage disposal at a, um, uh, a home in... Let's see, Tredefin Township, about 24 miles northeast or northwest of Philadelphia. It was a kitten situation, they called it, uh, this past Saturday there, after an officer was called to the residence of a family in Wayne um, whose cat got stuck, uh, a little uh, too curious, the cat was, was stuck in their garbage disposal, um, and trying to get it out was, well, it took some Real effort. A picture of the cat showed the, its a wet head poking out of the disposal underneath the sink, which meant the big uh, canister where the stuff you're disposing is um, chewed up had, had to be removed. So you could see the cat's head sticking out downward through the disposal uh, underneath the tank. Uh, and the uh, police sergeant arrived at the scene to help the family free the cat by using coconut oil. It was a kitten situation, they said, um, uh, to extract the whole thing. After grabbing a few tools and a bit of coconut oil, the sergeant uh, worked uh, for about an hour to safely disassemble uh, the, the uh, disposal and successfully free the trapped feline. Fortunately, the cat was unharmed, although I imagine traumatized to some degree. It's not clear exactly how the cat got into the garbage disposal in the first place. The department uh, went on to say, who says only firefighters rescue cats, referring to the image of firefighters being called to save felines stuck in trees because, of course, they have that extended ladder. One Facebook user who appeared to be the cat's owner commented on the post on Wednesday saying that uh, the sergeant and her son worked to calmly release the cat named Sam. He's fine now, but has been trying to find the uh, monster uh, who... um, pulled him in, she wrote, as a sort of a tongue-in-cheek little joke. Um, Anyway, the cat, safe. But it certainly made for an interesting picture. Well, a Detroit-area man's idea to use a smoke bomb to rid the uh, crawl space of his home uh, of skunks blew up in smoke quite literally. Firefighters responded to a call a couple of Mondays ago to find the flames had spread from the crawl space to the first floor of the house, according to the Detroit Free Press. The Fetter Lane, Michigan man, who was not identified by the paper, told authorities 
He waited 15 minutes after the fire broke out to call 911, which was a pretty bad idea. The fire continued to spread throughout the house, resulting in what uh, was described as a complete loss with the occupant losing most of his belongings. No injuries were reported other than one firefighter suffering a sprain, the paper reported. As for the skunks, Sullivan told the paper no carcasses were found at the scene. They apparently simply moved elsewhere. Be careful when you uh, engage in extermination on your own terms. It doesn't always turn out the way you'd like. Speaking of which, in uh, Hagerman, New Mexico, something stinks in one southeastern New Mexican town, and residents want the police on the case. After all, they save cats. Why not rid a neighborhood of, well, the stench? Well, KRQE-TV in Albuquerque reports skunk smells is plaguing the town of Hagerman, New Mexico, thanks to a mild winter that's bringing out the smelling mammals early. One uh, homeowner of the... uh, Animal shelter there says the annoying animals are hanging in town generally are not healthy. She says their stink appears to be a growing problem. The police uh, there, the uh, Hagerman police patrolman Adam Chavez said officers are settling up, are setting up traps around the town in the nearby Lake Arthur and Dexter areas as well. They say healthy skunks uh, caught in traps will be relocated on the east side of the town near the river. Those that aren't healthy, well, I don't even want to know. Well, in the real world, fatal animal encounters are more, well, my girl and than Jaws. Um, it doesn't happen that often. The New York Times reports that researchers in a study published in Wilderness and Environmental Medicine found hornets, wasps, and bees killed 478 people between 2008 and 2015. Now, when you think about the most dangerous animals, you don't think of hornets, wasps, and bees. That's 29.7% of the 1,610 people killed by animals, and apparently they fall in that category during that period. It's also the reason that Dr. Jared Forrester, the study's lead author, says in a press release that it's critical that EpiPens and other epinephrine auto-injectors be affordable. Their prices quadrupled in recent years. Dogs were also responsible for a high number of human deaths, 272 people. So don't talk to me about not being afraid of dogs. 272 people, including 95 children under the age of 10 during the study period. The fatality rate in dog attacks for children under four nearly quadrupled uh, that of other age groups. It's usually family dogs or dogs known to the children who are doing the killing, Forrester tells the Times. Surprisingly, neither dogs nor stinging insects were the deadliest group of animals in the study, however. That honor goes to pigs, cows, and horses. A category called other mammals, mostly comprised of farm animals, were responsible for 576 deaths, or 36% of all animal-caused deaths between 2008 and 2015, according to Science Alert. Preventing potentially fatal farm animal encounters should be a better uh, should be better promoted and supported uh, in public health initiatives, Mr. Forrester says. Overall, 72% of animal victims were men. Most were between the ages of 35 and 64. Fatal animal attacks were uh, most common in the southeast, least common in the northeast. Animal cause fatalities haven't increased since the last study, but they haven't declined either. And that's concerning to researchers who say these types of deaths should be preventable. So now you know. And if you uh, need an EpiPen, make sure you have one uh, handy. <laughs> yeah. I remember we used to play with bees all the time. You of course, played with bees? Yeah, we did. We'd catch them in jars. We were uh, not allowed to keep them in there, but you'd observe them. And you could see, especially the bumblebees, they'd get so angry being in the jar, and then you'd uh, let them go. But yeah. We had this uh, neighbor kid that used to like to 
pick all the bees off of his marigolds and then throw them at us. And that worked for a while until they finally stung him. Then ah. he didn't do that anymore. Yeah, you only have to be stung once. Yeah. The last time I was sung, I was at Seaside, and I stepped on a bee. I think it was already dying. It was a bumblebee, the big fat ones. Mm-hmm. And oh my goodness, it hurt for a week or or longer. It uh, it got me really good. I had never been stung before, and then at a um, work party out in Central Oregon, I think I was in my mid-30s at this time, we were tossing a football around. It went up into the trees. Uh-oh. I went to get it, and my head hurt. And I realized that the football had gone into, had knocked over a yellow jacket's nest. Ooh. I had a couple yellow jacket stings on the top of my head. And you were unaware of them until the pain struck. Yeah. Ah. That hurt. Yellow jackets, they just look they look they're dangerous. Mean. Yeah, they look mean. They look dangerous. I mean, just their body shape, the armor that they wear, they're... they're uh, Pretty frightening. They make a good team name, don't they? The Yellow Jackets? Yeah. That was a good jazz group several years ago, one of my favorites. I remember them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, an English restaurant has canceled a charity snail race. Wow, snail and race. That That would just take all month. It was scheduled to take place on Saturday after unseasonably icy weather made potential competitors too slow to compete. So you have weather that makes the snail race competitors too slow to compete. The cold snap has led to a medical problem with our racing snails. It's called hibernation. That's according to the Dartmoor Union Inn in southwest England on their Facebook page. Temperatures across much of Europe are uh, below normal for the time of, for this time of year. And British weather forecasters have warned of bitterly cold winters and snow that could disrupt transport and cut off rural communities over the coming week. England's public health authority said on Friday the prolonged cold weather poses a danger to the elderly, young children, you know, much like what we see here and what we've been witnessing in the east. The Doubtmore Union Inn said it planned to reschedule what had been billed as the first International Snail Grand National in aid of a local air ambulance service once the weather warms up. But I thought that rather interesting. First snail race, that seemed like an oxymoron, but to have to cancel one because uh, the weather would make the potential competitors too slow to compete. Wow. Well, this year, minimum wage hikes occurred in 18 states, affecting 4.5 million workers. Half of the hikes were automated and spurred by infl- inflation, rather. Um, but the uh, others were voter or lawmaker approved, as uh, was noted uh, on this program earlier. These uh, uh, forced increases in minimum wage hurt many of the workers. Uh, they're intended to help because they further obligate employers to cut costs. And to do that, they often look for innovation. Well, one of those innovative responses has been um, hamburger flipping robots. Uh, they've entered the uh, minimum wage fray. They've been used temporarily But the concern is that that will be a more permanent state moving forward. When the cost of worker payrolls becomes too high, companies seek substitutions. And one such substitution that's already on the books, the kiosk, is on its way to becoming universal in fast food chains, both McDonald's and Wendy's, uh, for example. They're investing in kiosks because they'll pay off in the long run. Human cashiers uh, could become a thing of the past as a result. Another substitute that's just hit the market is mechanically driven and is being dubbed Flippy, as its name implies, Flippy recently deployed um, 
in Pasadena, California, is engineered to flip burgers. According to NPR in a current version, Flippy needs a human co-worker to place the patties on the grill, but the cheese on the, uh, uh, rather put the cheese on top at the right moment and uh, add the extras such as lettuce, sauce, and so on, and to wrap the sandwiches for the customers. But it's only a matter of time before the robot's functionality expands. So uh, just another element that's likely to enter the foray uh, with regard to minimum wage. 46 minutes after 4 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're Mrs. Sussman's fourth grade class, and you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. 51 minutes after 4 o'clock, you are listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Clark Hilton is engineering. Well, the race for an Arkansas congressional seat is getting all shook up with the entrance of a new candidate by the name of Elvis Presley, who apparently is back in the building. Elvis D. Presley is sometimes impersonator of Elvis A. Presley, who legally changed his name to that of the late king of rock and roll, has uh, filed to run against Representative Rick Crawford, a Republican out of Arkansas, as the Libertarian nominee. Presley was selected to run for that seat at a convention during the weekend. The candidate's bio on the official website of the Pulaski County Libertarian Party that previously supported his candidacy for county land commissioner in 2016 says he works as an auto ref, um, refinish technician at Camp's Custom Paint in Star City. Uh, Presley celebrated the announcement of his candidacy with a quote from his namesake on the Facebook page he uses to promote his impersonation events. <laughs> you probably want to separate those. I don't know. It just seems like a good idea to me. You want to have your um, political uh, website, Facebook page, a little separate from the impersonation page. But nonetheless, ambition is a dream with a V8 engine. <laughs> <laughs> so Elvis Presley running... Um, as an impersonator and as a candidate. Okay. An Ohio woman who was eating planters nuts last month claims that when she was finishing her snack, she bit into a human tooth instead of a cashew. Oh, that would be my last uh, jar of nuts. Yeah, that'd pretty much do it for me. Um, there are pictures, by the way. Nicolette Botsford of um, Ravenna, uh, she wrote on a now-removed Facebook page on Saturday that as she was eating the nuts while in the car with her mother, she noticed something very hard in her mouth. So naturally, she pulled it out to take a look, asking her mother, what on earth is this? Yes, a human tooth was in my package, and I had it in my mouth for at least 30 to 40 seconds, she wrote. Well, Botsford said that after pulling the car over, she felt a little sick several times uh, before realizing <laughs> several times <laughs> the tooth also had um, some DNA still attached to it, she said. Uh, that's when she made a visit to the emergency. Mean? Well, oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, so she made a visit to the emergency room where she said she was con- uh, she had confirmed that the item was, in fact, a human tooth. Oh, my. Uh, the woman said she has reached out to Planners, a division of the Kraft Foods Group, and played phone tag for several days before subsequently awaiting a response for three weeks. She said someone was uh, sent out to uh, visit her. Uh, to pick up the tooth, but added that while she keeps trying to contact the company, no one seems to want to talk to her. I imagine not. This was very traumatic to me, considering my phobia of teeth, she says. Uh, they make me sick to my stomach. That was confirmed upon realizing she 
had had a tooth in her mouth that didn't belong to her. She said once she discovered the uh, weird object in her food, she threw up. Well, I wasn't going to say that, but there you have it. <laughs> she went to the emergency room and, you know, the rest. Well, Bosford said online that she wants to hire a lawyer to help her uh, get back the money she used to visit the ER, where she was treated for exposure to uh, bodily fluids. Uh, Kraft Heinz Company confirmed that uh, via email that the item was determined to be a foreign object not expected to be in our product. That's how they described it. Lawyerly talk. Foreign object not expected to be in our product and that the situation is being investigated. The company stated it hasn't um, received any related complaints other than hers, to which they have failed up to this point, according to uh, Ms. Botsford, uh, to respond. So just make sure what you're about to put in your mouth is, in fact, what you intend to put in your mouth. Mindful eating. There you go. <laughs> Uh, Two shoplifting suspects running from police, I actually saw the video, scaled a fence to get away from the officers and landed in a secure parking lot of the police station and in custody. Brilliant. Yeah. I mean, crime does not pay. Officials uh, tell KTARFM that officers were called to a gas station for possible shoplifting on Friday night last. Authorities say as um, officers arrived, the suspects, 28 and 29-year-old respectively, took off running, imagining that we can escape the consequence of our crime. Well, the pair ran along the side of a building. They jumped a fence despite a sign for Peoria police above the door, which, of course, you don't have time to read when you're running. A security (laughs) video shows the pair trying to hide under a bench uh, before being placed in custody. Uh, One of them climbed back over the fence, was uh, arrested on the street, but the pair faced charges of shoplifting, trespassing in a critical public safety building, and drug charges. Not a good idea. It wasn't immediately known... um, Um, how the two um, did in court. What's one way to get... Well, they wouldn't have done well on Jeopardy. No, they probably probably would not have. What's one way to get students to vote for a school bond measure? Promise them they won't have to take final exams. Well, that's what an email sent to students at Warren Central High School in Mississippi said. The principal says the email was sent in error. Now, somebody constructed (laughs) it and sent it, but it was in error. The Vicksburg Post reports that on the 20th of February, an email asked the students to help pass a bond measure to renovate district schools. The email said those who vote in March are exempt from finals. Retired educator Diane Imfinger, she filed a complaint with the County Election Commission the next day asking for an investigation because an authority figure has not just suggested how students should vote, but offered them a tangible benefit. That investigation is um, ongoing, but the district attorney, a spokesperson, uh, wouldn't disclose the message origin, the message's origin. So we don't know if it was sent by an official or uh, inadvertently or what. But somebody had to com- had to construct that email yeah. that made the offer. So someone intended to influence the election, whether or not they... Uh, Some sneaky student. Or, yeah, or, or maybe not. Yeah. It does seem like in this country we have lots of investigations. Oh, yes. Investigators will always be employed. Yeah. <laughs> the nursing professions and investigators, that's where, that's that's right. where you want to yeah. focus your, uh, your attention. A New York City um, college is trying to evict a former student who it says is legally squatting, rather illegally squatting in her dorm room. Hunter College has filed a lawsuit against a 32-year-old saying the woman owes more than $94,000 in unpaid residence hall fees since she dropped out in 2016. 
And she's still living she's there? She's still there. The lawsuit says she was denied summer housing in 2016. She remained in her dorm, despite the school sending several notices that she would be charged $150 a day if she stayed. She was issued a 30-day eviction notice in September of 2017. She refused to leave, prompting the school to file its lawsuit. Palmer is a former geography major, says she plans to stay and fight the case. A Hunter College spokesperson says they cannot comment on pending litigation, but it seems to me Palmer, the student, a former geography major, probably doesn't have a leg to stand on, although she at at present has a room to stay in. So we'll see if we can find out what happens there. Indeed she does. I'm not sure how you just stay in the room. I mean, at some point, wouldn't you leave the room for something and couldn't you change the locks? I, I don't know how it's working, but... She's been there for quite some time after being evicted. Wouldn't recommend it, by the way. $150 a night. uh, That can add up rather quickly. We've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the second hour of the Friday edition of The Georgine Rice Show. Clark Hilton is engineering today's program, and I'm simply trying to survive the slashing of my tongue. It's amazing to me how sensitive your tongue can be. I, I mentioned in the first hour that I had a dentist drill puncture my tongue, and it's been excruciating ever since. So every, uh, every other break, I have to rush out and put some kind of numbing gel on it to simply finish out the day. I get no sympathy for Clark, from Clark, so I'm mentioning it to you in hopes that Perhaps uh, you can. That hear the is playing. not true. I have given you sympathy. Well, I yeah, felt in the bad beginning, for you, but the thirty or fortieth time I brought it up, that's you not seem true to have... at all. That's not true at all. And as a matter of fact, my daughter also complains about always biting her tongue or her lip or her cheek or scratching her legs. I hear this all the time, <laughs> and I am still very kind about it. So, oh, so I have your empathy. Yes. Well, thank you. Actually, it's kind of a nightmare. Yeah, it really has been. I'd I mean, be it angry. So ridiculous. I would be angry. <laughs> well, that doesn't do me any good. But um, I'm really hoping that over the weekend, with less, because you don't realize how much movement there is with yeah. your tongue in your mouth when you're speaking or eating or drinking, even drinking. Um, there's a lot of movement, and you don't realize it until it's there's a painful spot. And... Well, it wasn't just that they drilled your tongue. It was also the fact that they numbed you up to work on one part of your mouth, then messed up another part and had to fix that instead, and had to numb you up for that, and then drilled a hole in your tongue in the process. <laughs> well, there, there that, is that. At that point, I'd be very angry. might not do you any good, but I'll be angry for you. Did How's I mention that? that the temporary crown they put on the tooth that I hadn't gone in to have anything done to? Fell off earlier today. <laughs> Fell off earlier today. So the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, I'm pretty much a wreck. Was the uh, dentist new? I don't know. I don't really know. Are th- were they accredited? Did yes? Did, you didn't just go and find somebody on. <laughs> no, I don't know. Okay, no. Anyway, all of that to say, <clears throat> a little little difficult to talk and concentrate yeah. when you're got a shooting pain on the one side of your jaw. Well, earlier this week. Uh, you were getting the uh, recordings done for the um, the Christian Outlook, and we were getting those recorded, and you were really struggling with that. Yeah, and I, I should remember mention, you would have to numb yourself up a little bit just to get yeah, through it. So. Yeah, um, I was invited uh, last week and this week to host the uh, Christian Outlook, which is a compilation of interviews from 
Christian uh, talk show hosts from all across the country. And every once in a while, I'm invited to host the program, which uh, was the case this time around this week. And then uh, last week as well, I I forgot to mention it. Anyway, if you uh, would like to listen to the Christian Outlook and what some of the other Christian talk show hosts are doing, you can uh, listen on our AM station, AM 800, Saturday night at 8 p.m. And then uh, Christian Outlook on KPDQ FM at 8 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. And you can go to the website, ChristianOutlook.com, and you can uh, hear the program as it's been produced, but you can also hear the full interviews that are featured in this um, in this program. So it's kind of a fun way to uh, hear what others are doing in interviews that uh, we don't uh, get here or didn't, uh, didn't cover. So uh, you can check that out again Sunday night at 8 here on KPDQ-FM, Saturday night at 8 on KPDQ-AM. Well, a rare copper arrowhead was discovered on a remote Canadian mountain and uh, is uh, almost 900 years old, they say, according to archaeologists. Uh, The arrowhead, which is at the uh, tip of a perfectly preserved antler uh, arrow, uh, was found sticking out of a a patch of ice in Canada's Yukon Territory. The find was made in 2016 on an unnamed mountain, surprised uh, experts uh, who later I had an opportunity to analyze it. It was found near the top of the snow-capped mountain in southwest Yukon. The Yukon archaeologist Greg Hare said uh, it was an incredible discovery. We really didn't intend to be um, on that ice patch on that day, but they were, and it was, and they found it. The archaeologists were uh, traveling in two helicopters with a documentary film crew. Uh, When they noticed uh, caribou on the ice patch they were planning uh, to land on, instead the helicopter landed on a small nearby patch of snow um, where the senior project uh, archaeologist Christian Thomas quickly spotted the arrow. Uh, While we were uh, there, we thought we would look around. Within the five minutes, they found that uh, artifact, and that, of course, is a pretty big deal, 900 years old. An arrow made out of an an antler horn and then a copper tip. Well, General Mills, the maker of the iconic cereal brand Lucky Charms, one of my favorite, announced on uh, its webpage that they're adding a new marshmallow to its uh, repertoire for the first time in over a decade to keep its sales momentum going strong. Now, we mentioned at the time that they were considering all of this, that there were going to be changes. Well, apparently they have now made those changes. The food giant announced earlier this month it was retiring the Hourglass Marshmallow. Uh, They asked customers on social media to vote for the next Lucky Charm. And the winner, a new white and purple magical unicorn. Can you Yay. eat that if you're a vegan? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. The new marshmallow will be um, part of a new lineup for the cereal that includes hearts, stars, horseshoes, clovers, blue something, and red balloons. Isn't it blue diamonds? It might be. Yeah. Uh, the change has already been implemented in select stores across the country with a full nationwide rollout expected this month. New marshmallows... Um, Aren't the only change the company's made since the uh, uh, since ni- the 1960s, rather. Uh, Lucky Charms introduced a third variety of cereal, Frosted Flakes Lucky Charms. That might be a little bit too much. Uh, that joins its original formula and chocolate Lucky Charms. Yeah, why don't we just give you a whole barrel of sugar <laughs> exactly. and some milk? <laughs> wow. Now, that's the cereal I think I've confessed here before. You put a little bit of cereal in, you put milk in. Then you eat the cereal out of it, you have a little bit of milk left. So then you pour the cereal in to match the milk, but then there's more cereal than milk. So you put more milk in and it goes back and forth. And I have in one sitting, you know, sometimes I have the nerve to put the milk back in the refrigerator and then have to march all the way back in the yeah, kitchen. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. One I've sitting, done that too. whole box. 
Yeah. I, uh, Whoa. I'm much more mature what? now. I've done that in one sitting. Well, you know, the back and forth. But well. Yeah. Wow. Like I said, I'm much more mature now. Although if you had a box of Lucky Charms and a, a carton of milk, I can't say what I might do. Well, that's what happens when something's magically delicious, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the problem. It's... <laughs> I'm not sure about that unicorn. It might have a <laughs> kind of a gamey taste to it. I don't really, really oh. know. Now you're just wrecking it for the kids. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, um, driverless cars, they're telling us, are the wave of the future. And some driverless car damage appears to be from angry people. And the cars are doing fine, but the people around them, not so much. One problem with these self-driving cars is people. Well, the Los Angeles Times reports that of six crash reports, Filed in California so far this year, two involved a person attacking the robot car. Both uh, incidents happened in San Francisco, which may explain everything, according to the Department of Motor Vehicles records. On the 2nd of January, a vehicle operated by General Motors Cruise Driverless Cars Division was waiting at a green light for pedestrians to cross when a shouting man ran across the street against the do not walk signal, struck its bumper and hatch damaging a taillight. Apparently, he just couldn't live with it. The car was the autonomous mode, was in the autonomous mode, but a driver was behind the wheel. On the 28th of January, another GM autonomous vehicle with a human driving had uh, stopped behind a taxi when the taxi driver got out, slapped the front of the passenger side window, went back to his vehicle, and on with his, uh, on with his day. So people are having a hard time with these um, driverless cars, although in both of these cases there were drivers, so I'm not sure what the point of the uh, exercise is. But there you have it. The New York City Parks Department says a cluster of trees in a Manhattan neighborhood can keep their crocheted sweaters. Yes, you heard me correctly. Their crocheted sweaters. The Parks Department hmm. says it has reversed a prior decision to remove the trees' sweaters after residents of the West Village neighborhood told the New York Post the colorful threads on about two dozen neighborhood trees increased business and foot traffic. A park spokesman says the department had a change of heart and the sweaters will not be removed by officials. Local business owner Holly Boardman, she installed the sweaters last Thanksgiving in order to beautify the neighborhood and street. And it really is quite, of, uh, uh, quite interesting to see these sweaters that are stitched all the way around the trunk. Some are wound around the trunk. They're more of a, a long thread with... Um, uh, hearts and stars and things uh, crocheted into them, but uh, trees that are wearing literally sweaters that are um, crocheted around them so that you can't just take them off. You'd have to cut them off. This really sounds like a Portland thing. Yeah, doesn't it, though? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. But this is in New York City. Not altogether surprising there either. 15 minutes after 5 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We will be back. Happy Fine Friday from Mrs. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 20 minutes after 5 o'clock. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, fans of Madeline Langle's uh, novel are wondering whether the film will do justice to the cosmic question the book raises. And Christianity Today raised the, uh, the question of how will Hollywood handle the spiritual themes in A Wrinkle in Time. Now, many of you are familiar with the book. You're a fan of Langle. And uh, perhaps you're wondering as well. So far, it's been panned by some of the critics, but that isn't always a good uh, measure of how a film is likely to do. But um, Sarah Arthur... 
says that you've heard the buzz, as we have, of A Wrinkle in Time. It's based on the classic children's book by Madeline LaEngle. Um, it hits theaters this week as the $100 million Disney movie. A lot more than money is riding on this film's success. Not only is the sci-fi novel beloved by millions of readers since winning the 1963 Newbery Medal, it, was, uh, it has sold upwards of 16 million copies. Its author is one of the most adored writers of Christian faith um, in recent history. So how will Hollywood um, handle it? Well, she writes that as I've um, learned while writing her spiritual biography, A Light So Lovely, The Spiritual Legacy of Madeline L'Engle, which uh, released in August, her fans among millennials and my own generation, she's Generation X in particular, are as vast as the cosmos she so loved. For many who struggle with faith and doubt, her book became a kind of patron or she became a kind of patron saint for the wavering, the wondering and the wounded. No pressure, Hollywood, she writes. This new adaptation of Wrinkle, directed by the irrepressible Ava DuVernay, uh, Selma, 13th Queen Sugar, and so on, stars no less than Oprah Winfrey, Reese Witherspoon, Mindy Kaling, uh, Chris Pine, and others. Frozen's Jennifer Lee adapted the storyline for the screen, and along the way, the main characters have been creatively recast as a multicultural or, or multiracial family. Uh, DuVernay, who is herself the first female director of color to oversee a budget this size, is excited about the film, but has said since uh, critics panned, uh, some critics have panned it, says it doesn't really matter if people like it. It's a good film. Well, newcomer Storm Reed plays Meg Murray, the story's teen protagonist, who's sent uh, by a triad of angelic beings. Um, that's Miss um, What's It, Miss Who, and uh, Miss Witch. Um, that's W-H-I-C-H, on a quest to find her missing scientist's father trapped behind a dark force in the universe. The Mrs. Trio teaches Meg and her companion how to uh, fold and wrinkle the space-time continuum so they can skip from galaxy to galaxy, planet to planet, a concept called uh, uh, tessering. I think you have to prepare yourself that the movie will look different than the book. That's what the producer, Catherine Hand, says. I hope people will love the book, uh, who love the book, uh, don't just focus on the trees and not see the forest. Han first sat down with uh, Langle in 1979 to discuss bringing the story to the big screen, and now, nearly 40 years later, is seeing her dream become reality. The movie is going to uh, look different because it had to look different, uh, Hand explained. To many filmmakers, writers, directors, all sorts of creative talent have been influenced by Wrinkle for 50 years. Some of the visuals that had been uh, uh, that we hold dear in Wrinkle, uh, we're uh, we've already seen on film. We had to. Take the essence of the emotional story. We did this. Um, why did this happen in the book and explore how to give it new look, uh, a new look, but with the same meaning? Well, I'm not sure it needed to have a new look and all of that. But nonetheless, that's what is uh, the producer is saying. The question many are wondering is whether the essence and the meaning will include the spiritual themes that were vital to the uh, Christian faith of the the author of the book when it was written. Well, during the 1950s, as a 30-something transplant from New York, she writes, a rural Connecticut, Langle struggled to balance writing, child-rearing, small-town life. She also wrestled with what she called cosmic questions. Does God exist? Why are we here? Do we exist after death? Well-meaning pastors encouraged her to read German theologians. She rarely ever named which ones exactly, although philosopher Immanuel Kant is a strong contender. But she found no solace there. Such theology, she emphasized, 
emphasized a limited God uh, definable by human categories, a concept wholly at odds with the awe-inspiring star-strewn universe she saw at night while walking her dog. So by contrast, it was the wonder and the hum- the humility of scientists, especially theoretical physicists like uh, Max Planck and Albert Einstein, who eventually convinced her to become a Christian, surprisingly enough. Well, if the creator of a vast and surprising cosmos would love this small planet enough to become one of us, then despite her ongoing questions, that was a faith worth clinging to. Well, she said in 1979 in an interview with Christianity Today, I believe that we can understand cosmo- cosmic questions only through particulars. I can understand God only through one specific particular, the incarnation of Jesus of Nazareth. Thus, A Wrinkle in Time was my rebuttal to the German theologians. She wrote Walking on Water, Reflections on Faith and Art in 1980. Her protagonist, angry, nerdy, uh, nerdy Meg Murray, in uh, many ways a portrait of La Engel herself as a girl, is unwilling and unable to uh, conform to cultural expectations, to the usual categories by which she we define human worth. And by the end of her story, Meg uh, has to confront the source of the darkness that's at war with, uh, with the light. And it's a, a, an interesting story that she writes during that period. For anyone who's ever fallen asleep reading uh, German theology, uh, this is a stirring concept. And that's what Lee Engel was attempting to communicate. Well, the question is, and um, the article goes on in Christianity Today. You can find it online, Sarah Arthur whether or not the Hollywood version lives up to uh, what made this a story loved by so many and uh, the Christian themes that are woven throughout, whether or not they are true to the uh, the author's intent. Well, I noted uh, National Review also writing on the uh, uh, the release of the film that Hollywood preps for 2020, pushing social justice, self-worship, and girls are smarter than boys, bromides as uh, part of the film. Um And they write, uh, this is Armand White, what are you, a stupefied child, asked the apparition standing over uh, overhead in a wrinkle in time. And Oprah Winfrey answers back, I am a part of the universe. Oprah's fame has cost her the transparency to be a believable actress, which she so movingly was in Beloved. Yet she achieves a a godhead in a wrinkle in time, a Disney film devoted to uh, pagan self-worship. It's the second phase of Disney's black enslavement program this year. And uh, black female Ava DuVernay joins Oprah as director of this big screen secular parable. So according to New York Times, it's not quite going to live up to the expectation and the uh, the theme of Christian faith that ran through the book, the beloved book. Um, and um, Fox News in its uh, articles pointed out that Disney's $100 million gamble to turn the classic children's book of Wrinkle in Time into a politically correct film filled with liberal talking points on feminism and diversity may have backfired badly with a poorly reviewed Oprah Winfrey starring movie possibly teetering toward a tank job at the back uh, the box office this weekend, according to some predictions. The film is currently um, uh, rated a rotten 43% on Rotten Tomatoes, but woke cultural critics deem it um, uh, don't seem to mind. They say that the movie uh, directed by the uh, filmmaker Ava is so important in terms of its social justice message that whether it's a terrible movie or not just doesn't matter. I think if you're paying a lot of money to see a film that is uh, beloved to you based on a story in a book, um, it's probably going to matter to moviegoers. Parade Magazine said the film is crinkled, jammed, over-crammed, hot mess, but praised the casting of Hollywood's favorite 2020 presidential uh, possibility. There's uh, 20-foot Oprah, 
and what she represents in America as a self-made black billionaire, media mogul, philanthropist, and living symbol of survival and success. She radiates empowerment, even when later in the film her character shrinks down to regular size, uh, Parade Magazine says. So if you're looking for a uh, faithful telling of the story, this probably isn't going to be the version that you'll enjoy, although you can see for yourself what's actually going to uh, to be broadcast. And then there's another interesting film that's being produced. It is uh, Young Karl Marx for the Youth of the World. Um, that's another movie that's coming out, if it's not already. Uh, we'll comment on that in just a few moments on the heading of um, of entertainment. I uh, just wanted to remind you that tomorrow, um, Johnny W. is going to be performing at East Hill Church. You'll have an opportunity to spend a great evening of comedy. And if you're looking for something a bit lighter hearted uh, that you can invite everyone in the family to without concerns about what's going to be said or not said or what innuendo and so on, this is going to be a great uh, time for some fun. It's going to be at East Hill Church. You can go to kpdq.com for more information. But Johnny W. is an actually a, a funny comedian. He's a great musician, a good vocalist, and all of that is part of his uh, program. You can actually view clips of him performing uh, online as well. So check that out and uh, join the fun on Saturday night at East Hill Church with Johnny W., a night of clean comedy. And then we're also featuring here on KPDQ for the next several weeks some of the Christian schools in our area that are offering some significant uh, tuition discounts up to 40%. Now, they will vary from school to school, but we have discounts uh, from uh, several of these schools uh, that range up to 40%. So that is significant if you're thinking about whether or not you can afford sending your son or daughter to Christian school in your area. This is a great time to check that out. You can go to listenersavings.com for more information. Listener Savings. You can also listen to the Georgine Rice Show over the next several weeks as we are taking time to talk with uh, principals, administrators, teachers from uh, each of the various schools that you'll find on listenersavings.com to better acquaint you with the options that uh, are available, what makes each of them unique, what their geographic location is, and Uh, Again, providing you with an opportunity to be encouraged and inspired by Christian schools in our community. We're going to take a break. 30 minutes after 5 o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back 34 minutes after 5 o'clock. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, ABC News' The View star Joy Behar has reportedly apologized for recent comments that mocked Vice President Pence's Christian faith. Disney CEO Bob Iger said during a Q&A portion of a shareholder meeting on Thursday that Behar apologized directly to the vice president on the phone. The shareholder who asked the question was Justin Danhoff, who is the general counsel for the National Center for Public Policy Research. Danhoff told Iger that some of Disney's recent decisions are stranger when uh, trust in media is at an all-time low and referred to Disney's ESPN as a 24-7 anti-Trump tirade channel before bringing up the Behar controversy. What do you say to the tens of millions of Christians and President Trump supporters that your networks have, a blatantly, have blatantly offended and ascribed hateful labels, Danhoff asked. Specifically, do you think like Miss uh, Hostin and 
Ms. Behar, that the Christian faith is akin to uh, a dangerous mental illness. Well, Iger responded by saying, I don't know um, where I start. First of all, Joy Behar apologized to the Vice President Pence directly. She made a call to him and apologized, which I thought was absolutely appropriate. The problem is she made the statements publicly and didn't um, also apologize publicly. But Iger responded by saying, uh, that uh, she, he thought that was uh, absolutely appropriate. He told the crowd he was glad to hear Behar apologize because uh, he takes exception to what she said. ABC News didn't respond to requests for further information. Not the most powerful man in Hollywood today. He was the most uh, tepid man in Hollywood, Danhoff said, referring to Iger. He took one real question uh, after about a dozen soliloquies of praise for how great and wonderful he is. Well, back in February, mid-February, the View panel criticized the vice president's faith, uh, saying that he was mentally ill if he was, in fact, waiting to hear uh, from God to direct him in, in his actions. Now, that was challenged after um, Oprah, who's been called upon by some to consider running for the White House, want to to be the next president of the United States. And she said she would have to hear from God. Well, that put a different complexion on it all. The apology followed. And who knows if there'll be any public statements. But uh, what she said on the program still stands that the vice president or anyone who purports to hear from God. Uh, may in fact have an, a mental illness. Well, speaking of entertainment, while there's no shortage of subjects suitable for heroic portrayal on the silver screen, um, Haitian filmmaker Raoul Peck has chosen to create movies about those who are dear to him. His documentary about writer and civil rights activist James Baldwin, I Am Not Your Negro, was nominated for an Oscar last year, and it's possible that his newest film will be a nominee next year as well. Its subject Karl Marx. Well, the young Karl Marx is the name of the movie. Peck has chosen a subject that's definitely unique. There's a reason why there's been no other film about Marx in the Western world ever, Peck explained. And I might add, it might be the reason of his legacy of tyranny and terror created by a movement, <clears throat> excuse me, a movement his works spawned. But the biopic comes from the perspective of a man who further opined about the Communist Manifesto, saying, and I'm quoting from the director Peck, When you read the first chapter, it's exactly a description of what's happening in the last 30 years. The expansion of capitalism, the total craziness of speculation, the fact that it will invade the whole planet. That's exactly what happened. So it's important to know your history. Otherwise, you're just a puppet following the next populist who promises you paradise, end quote. Well, Peck's film looks at the four years uh in Marx's life immediately preceding the 1848 publication of the Communist Manifesto in a very flattering way. It depicts a struggling young writer and editor with a wife and growing family, sometimes a bromance between Marx and a fellow traveler, uh, Frederick uh, Engels, who co-wrote the book with Marx. Uh, Taken from correspondence, meeting notes, quotations, this modern-day treatment of Marx is designed for a certain target audience. Marx gets a sex scene, drinks too much with Engels, complains about not getting paid on time, but the young Karl Marx also spends a lot of time in heated intellectual exchange as the uh, intemperate Marx uh, argues with other revolutionary luminaries of the day. Well, according to one glowing review, uh, that's what they how they explain the movie. Well, even more thrilling to Peck was the reception the film received abroad, where uh, youth movements centered meetings and reunions around its screening. To make Marx into a more sympathetic figure, Peck even uh, goes so far as to deny that for which 
Many give him and Engels credit or blame. Uh, Marx and Engels would have uh, probably been the first ones to be shot during the Bolshevik uprising, asserted Peck. This incredible monster that was uh, fabricated after the Russian Revolution has nothing to do with their ideas, end quote. Well, isn't it amazing how many nations have tried communism and just not implemented it correctly? After all, how bad can a philosophy really be, uh, be uh, coming from a regular guy, family, uh, family man and his closest comrade? Well, in defending his movie, Peck even looks at current events, noting you can see like even the young kids from Florida right now who are protesting and asking for more gun control. They have understood the connection between money, between capital, between profit, and that there are people who are capable of choosing the worst decision if it will preserve their profit. Well, while Peck is uh, speaking the truth in some limited cases, the vast majority of us uh, endeavor uh, to make the best decisions in pursuit of a common good within the system that's been uh, shown without fail to create the most positive outcome for the most people. Uh, after all, Peck had to use the capitalist system to finance his film, even as funding was difficult to assemble. Well, The Young Karl Marx isn't the kind of film that will challenge Black Panther, and it's a 700 uh, uh, plus million dollars and counting take, particularly with the decidedly mixed reviews Marx is getting. But this is um, that's not the point. In a way, the movie flips the Saul Alinsky rules on its head by making the dreaded Karl Marx into a sympathetic figure, not unlike any other young hipster who's struggling to get by at a moment in time when socialism is the philosophical love interest among our misguided youth. Now, contrast that with the treatment uh, most capitalists or Christians receive on film, and you'll see why some may be upset at what Hollywood considers a film worth promoting for dirty capitalist profit. But that's a movie that's also out there that some will find very attractive, if not leaving out uh, major um, implications of the philosophy that it champions. So that's uh, another of the big movies. Well, today we had a group of um, kids come to the station on a tour and we took the opportunity to uh, provide them with a chance to, well, do a little recording. And you've been hearing them throughout the program today. They're Mrs. Stutzman's fourth grade class. Uh, they have visited the station for a number of years. Mrs. Stutzman happens to be my sister, and she's a great teacher, and her class has made uh, one of their field trips coming to the station for a tour. And uh, we've done that. And then the audio that you've been hearing has been uh, that fourth grade um, class as they visited here. And it's always fun to uh, conduct tours. It's been a bit more challenging these days, as you may have heard, that we are expanding. Uh, we're bursting at the seams is, is perhaps a better way of uh, explaining it. We've added two new stations, among them KPAM, a station you may be very well familiar with, uh, is now housed here as well as a, another station. Does that make it seven stations in this yeah. uh, space? Seven stations in the space that once housed really three, then four, then five, and it's, it's continued to expand But it's always interesting to take a tour of the facility and to learn a little bit about how radio works. And for a child to think about, you know, riding in a car, you're a moving target, you turn the dial on and suddenly you can hear any station you'd uh, you choose how does your radio distinguish between one signal and another, and how does what comes through this mic get to where you are, whether that's at home or at some great distance, and why are there limits to who can hear what's being broadcast? Uh, we talked about translators and antennas and all of those things, and uh, took a little uh, a little tour of the station and really focused on the gifts that each kid is given from the very beginning and trying to determine you know how has God gifted me in unique ways and how do I use that. 
in whatever uh, call in life I'm given, whether that's a, a parent or a business person or a radio person, to use it to its fullest to develop the things that uh, we've been given and to honor him in that process. So it's always fun to have uh, tours here at the station, although I felt like we were um, just a little unkempt uh, this time around. In fact, I had a hard time remembering what each of the rooms, uh, how they function now. I've done this tour so many times, and I know where everything was, but where everything is now is a little bit more of a challenge. Studios have changed around. Mm -hmm. Some new ones have been built. And new personnel, um, learning who my coworkers are, some people who come to the station for business meetings, they're meeting with the sales staff. You don't really know, are you a visitor? Are you a coworker? Um, Who are the people that we're working with? So it's been a real challenging Let's see. I think we took on 14 people at the beginning of January. And not everybody's here at the same time. So there are people who are here early, early morning. They only stay here a little while when those of us who come at regular business hours arrive, they leave. Mm -hmm. Then there are people who arrive later in the day. So it's really been uh, something of a challenge. And it certainly was for me uh, doing the tour. But we do uh, tours here. Our promotions department uh, does... uh, Tours with uh, kids. We have Boy Scouts who come from time to time and schools. And uh, all, you know, sometimes there are adults who are taking the tour. And you can just see what uh, what we do here, where it is, and how everything functions. And it's just a lot of fun. But uh, uh, as has been the case for a number of years, I've enjoyed uh, conducting the tour with Mrs. Stutzman's fourth grade class. And I think this was uh, this will be the last one that we do with that, with that class. But it was a lot of Why fun. Why is that? Oh, just... Um, I think this is the last time that they'll be coming. Anyway, those tours are available um, to anyone who just calls the front desk and they can be arranged in our uh, promotions department. Is does a great job of uh, giving you a, a tour of what's going on. I would suggest waiting a little while while we settle in, but it's still a lot of fun. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back to wrap things up. Happy Fun Friday from Mrs. Stutzman's fourth grade class. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the final segment, sadly, of the Georgine Rice Show on a fun Friday afternoon. Well, I've been reminding listeners throughout the program, so this may be redundant for you, but someone else may have just joined us. And I want to just offer a friendly reminder that Daylight Saving Time returns at 2 a.m. local time on Sunday, March the 11th, which is, of course, this Sunday. It means it's almost time to spring those clocks forward. And sadly, yes, you will lose an hour of sleep. But on the bright side, literally, uh, we'll be gaining an hour of evening light uh, through November the 4th when the time falls back. So you spring forward on Sunday, 2 a.m., which probably means sometimes Saturday night. Otherwise, you're going to either, uh, let's see, if you don't do that, you will show up late for church. Which, how does that work? Is that right? Yeah, you'll show up late. Um, Here's what you need to know about the soon-to-be century-old tradition. This will be the 100th anniversary, or is it this? Yeah, I guess that's right. Uh, It was established during World War I as a way to conserve uh, fuel that was needed for the war industry. It extended the uh, the workday or the ability to work in the daylight, the Library of Congress explains on its... uh, on its website, but it was only temporary. The law was repealed about a year later, and on the 20th of August, 1919, as soon as the war was over, it was over. However, uh, the sections of the 1918 law that had been established um, and es- that had established rather standard time zones in the uh, country remained in effect. So it's sort of come and gone and come again. And so uh, this Sunday is the day when you must spring your clocks forward. 
Also, I thought this uh, rather interesting, a, a story reported by the Associated Press. Um, Please, God, give me salvation and a car. Well, that prayer may have been uttered by more than a few people at a Maryland church last Sunday. That's because Destiny Church in Columbia handed out five used cars to demonstrate God's goodness and to attract new members. Now, we hadn't thought about that, giving away cars as a form of evangelism and to grow the congregation. Hmm. Well, the Washington Post reported that the uh, the church gave away the cars to increase attendance at its new location. It was the first Sunday at a building in a strip mall for the uh, seven-year-old non-denominational church. The pastor said that the predominantly African-American church normally draws about 1,100 people. This week, the church gave, uh, gave away 2,250 tickets in advance of three services. So in addition to giving away cars, apparently they gave away tickets to the service. Hmm. Well, the church added a fourth service, which meant it had to buy another car to give away. The fifth car was given to a family in need. So if you are looking uh, to grow your church, here are some suggestions from uh, this church. Now, I'll be curious to know how many of these people continue to attend church when tickets are no longer required and cars are no longer given away. I don't know. I always thought that there was something attractive about the gospel, but that's just me. I'm so like 20th century. I thought the message and the Bible teaching and the fellowship and the music and the worship and all of that was uh, pretty attractive. But apparently I'm way behind the times. Uh, <clears throat> cars, tickets. There you have it. The new formula uh, for the church. Hey, want to let you know that um, this Saturday and Sunday, depending on which station you're listening to, I had the opportunity to host the national program Christian Outlook. That's heard on our station, on the uh, uh, FM station, on Sundays at 8 p.m., but you can also pick it up on our AM station, KPD, or 800 um, AM at 8 p.m., as well on Saturday. And uh, occasionally I'm invited to host the program, and I was given that opportunity this week and last week, as a matter of fact, as well. So. If you're looking for something to do at 8 o'clock p.m. on Saturday, you can tune in to our sister station, AM 800, or on Sunday night, right here on KPDQ, 8 o'clock p.m. The Christian Outlook features uh, interviews that are conducted by uh, talk show hosts on our Christian stations all across the country. And so it gives you an opportunity to listen in to some of their conversations. And uh, you can also go to the website, ChristianOutlook.com, and hear the entire interview that you will hear a portion of on the Christian Outlook. So check that out again on our station here, 8 o'clock p.m. on Sunday on our sister station, AM 800. That's Saturday night at 8 p.m. So if you have the opportunity, check that out. Well, taking a look at next week on the program, we're going to talk with Joel Rosenberg. Now, he has written another novel, and typically we don't do interviews on novels. Joel Rosenberg is one of a very few exceptions. His latest is called The Kremlin Conspiracy. And as we've mentioned before, when he writes, he tends to not only write in a way that reflects what's happening today, but what's uh, happening tomorrow. And he has an uncanny way of predicting what will happen, and he doesn't claim any uh, supernatural foresight, but he, he logically thinks through and knows enough about uh, these things, uh, whether that's Israel or Russia or some of the other players in his novels, that he's able to give us a, a, a picture of what's likely to happen. And it uh, typically does happen very similarly to what he has written about his latest book, The Kremlin Conspiracy. We'll talk with him about that on Monday. On Tuesday, we'll talk with Mark Morano. He's the author of Politically Incorrect Guide to Climate Change. Hmm. We'll uh, focus on uh, what he suggests is 
uh, more accurate uh, coverage on the subject of climate change, what it means, and we'll uh, take a look uh, at the subject from outside the parameters of political correctness, as he puts it. So that's coming up on on Tuesday. On Wednesday, Mark Hancock, who is a CEO of Trail Life USA, which is an alternative to Boy Scouts USA, is going to join us. This really was developed as an answer to frustration that many parents and churches that had partnered with the Boy Scouts USA over the over the years, many, many decades, uh, and their departure from traditional values. And Trail Life USA is an alternative uh, for young boys who would like to participate in something similar to Boy Scouts, but with the same traditional underpinnings that we've all uh, um, expected uh, historically. So we'll talk with Mark Hancock about um, Trail Life USA, and he is the CEO. And then on Thursday, our World Concern Radiothon, you, you've perhaps heard uh, some of the spots that we've been running here on the station about what's happening in Somalia. And I have to tell you, it's so difficult for me to to talk about Somalia because it has been the subject of drought and war and uh, famine for such a long time, it, it sometimes makes you feel like you just there's nothing that can be done. Well, the truth is there is something that can be done. And while we can't fix the problem in Somalia, we can certainly make a difference in the lives of some individuals and families there. And that's what we're going to talk about on uh, Thursday with our World Concern Radiothon. And so I'm looking forward to giving you the opportunity to catch up on what's happening there. You'll be surprised by the the uh, absence of uh, coverage that you're hearing on um, national news uh, because it just I think there's a, a level of exhaustion. And so it's not being talked about like it had been previously. But the situation is dire and it's worsening. If you can imagine Somalia getting worse than where you left it last time you were paying attention. But we're going to partner with World Concern, bring you up to date. And the good news is, and there is some good news, there's actually something we can do to make a difference. It may be a small difference, but it will be a significant difference in the lives of those that we are able to touch. So that will be our effort on Thursday. And then on Friday, uh, we will uh, plan on doing, well, what we did today. We'll take a look at the lighter side of the news. And I always look forward to that because there's so much serious stuff going on in the world. It's nice to step away for a moment or two and just reflect on uh, other things. So again, on Monday, Joel Rosenberg will be my guest. His latest novel, The Kremlin Conspiracy. I haven't had the opportunity to read it yet, just got it. And so I'm looking forward to uh, spending some time this weekend uh, reading the book. And I imagine I'll be just as fascinated as, as I have been with his previous books that have primarily focused on Israel, Iran, and uh, with sort of a bit player, Russia as well. But this, his latest, will be our subject uh, on Monday, among other things. We'll certainly also cover the news. We're also going to try to provide as much information as we can on the parameters of this meeting that was announced yesterday between the president of the United States and Kim Jong-un, the dictator from North Korea. You don't just uh, show up at a meeting like this and hope things go well. There's a lot that has to go into that. And uh, as was said earlier by the uh, White House uh, press secretary, uh, the meeting is not going to move forward unless there are some specific things that North Korea has promised to do are done um, before that uh, that meeting takes place. So we'll try to follow what's happening there and in, uh, in the president's effort to meet with North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un uh, before May or at least uh, by May. So we'll we'll uh, provide you with information on that. Well, Clark Hilton is our engineer today, James Blind producer. I want to thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Hope you have a great weekend. Don't forget to turn that, well, no, it's to spring that clock forward as we start uh, to enjoy daylight saving time. 
Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.